Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Radiohead. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! Hey, this is Elia Einhorn. Welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. Today is TalkHouse Podcast's first ever guest curated episode. I'm very pleased to welcome a pair of my curatorial gurus to the show. Brandon Stosi is editor-in-chief of The Creative Independent and manager of Zola Jesus, Diamanda Galas, and more. He also collaborates with MoMA PS1 on their DJ warm-up series and also curates at the Broad Museum in LA, where he's joining us from now. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, Elia, how you doing? Great, thanks. Melissa Alf-Damar is the former bassist in Hole in the Smashing Pumpkins and co-founder of the Hudson New York Art Center, Basilica Hudson, where she's joining us from now. Welcome, Melissa. Good day from Hudson. <laughs> Do we hear a little bit of industrial beeping in the background there? Yeah, scissor lifts in big booming factories <laughs> sound almost as good as rock music and drone music yes. in big factories. There we go. <laughs> Well, Brandon and Melissa, the two of you are key members of the team behind the fantastic annual Basilica Soundscape, quote, anti-festival, which presents boundary-pushing artists creating music, film, visual art, literature, and more. Please tell our listeners a little bit about the history of the magnificent structure Basilica and Basilica Soundscape. Um, Brandon, I'll do the factory founding mm -hmm. part of it, and then we can move on to what has proven to be one of the most sweet, organic, and stress-free collaborations of my creative life with Brandon. Oh, so that's, that's where Soundscape lives. But Basilica Hudson um, was founded by my husband, Tony Stone, filmmaker, and I in 2010. So we're in our eighth year. It's a reclaimed uh, 17,000 square foot industrial factory on the Hudson River. We started a real like hand to mouth, still tiny team, but it was as, as simple as the building is so magnificent, so beautiful, and how can we utilize this to bring people together around avant-garde, independent music, film, art, and conversations. And then we're 501c3 and our mission has evolved with time and as the community of Hudson has evolved, as our partnerships abroad have evolved. I cannot have one interview without reminding us all that we're in a climate crisis and our planet is burning and a big part of our mission in the past few years has evolved around that as well. And so the Hudson Valley is like a wealth of inspiration uh, and we try to kind of be a gateway of both the things we love on the globe and the things we love um, and we're trying to protect locally. And so that's the Basilica Hudson. And then Basilica Soundscape is our crown jewel, like centerpiece, fall, you know, the greatest time of the, of the year up here. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And we, you know, we overlook the Hudson River and the Catskill Mountains and the Hudson River painter skies. So it's endlessly inspiring just to visually be here. And then working with Brandon for what is now our sixth year has been nothing short of natural, almost like, uh, I, Brandon, you can explain how we mm -hmm. built it, but I feel like it's been through like, like being pen pals and like writing postcards. Right. <laughs> I love it. And we were kind of talking about trying to do something that wasn't a typical approach to doing uh, a festival or a typical approach to doing a show. We just hit it off and started booking the events together. Like Melissa was saying, we basically have like 7 million Google documents and schematics and figuring <laughs> out, like, I figure at this space time, we know which room does what and like what works and what doesn't. The reason I think people started being called an anti-festival is because it always felt smaller in scale, but kind of bigger in ideas where we would sort of say, 
let's have these two people collaborate who've never played before. Or, you know, one year we, Jonathan Bepler directed four bands at the same time. So, you know, Pig Destroyer, Juliana Barwick, um, Pharmacon, and Evie and Christ all played at the same time following a score that they had written. So we kind of try to do like that. So I think like a good example of what we try to do where it's not- That's amazing. Like a Coachella kind of thing, or it's not like a festival where people are just going to not pay attention to the music. Um, people are going to sort of be engaged. And even now in like in the digital age, it's been interesting to see people really aren't, you know, on their phones a lot. They're kind of there just experiencing the event. And we try to have, you know, one thing ends and another thing starts. We don't, we don't have two sets at the same time. We try to use the space because as Melissa was saying, it is this beautiful space with all these different elements. So one year, instead of music between bands, we had Greg Fox playing drum solos from up on this balcony and swans were setting up behind him. So everyone's kind of looking up at Greg and then swans start playing the second he ends and everyone kind of jumps nice. and turns around. So it's like that kind of thing, like sort of making use of the space and also just keeping the audience on their toes. And the scale is key, you know, that we have this beautiful, huge building. So you already feel like in the presence of something big. And I also really liked that line. I feel like I should pull it for a pull quotes, but you said something, Brandon, about small in scale, big in ideas or something <laughs> yeah. like that is the idea is like, we're, because we're off the grid and because we're not answering to big promoters right now, we just rely on ticket sales and generosity of people. And we like keeping the tickets low in price. Mm. So that's, you know, key too to be able to be inviting to both locals and people who have to pay to get up here. I knew what I didn't want, which is how can we create this like epic layered thing where no one has to choose and no one is distracted and everybody wants to be part of the whole thing. And the result is, I mean, I, I like to judge things based on like, how was the night for our bartenders who are our friends? Like mm. always every night is just this like big smile of, can you believe how nice everybody is <laughs> and how present everybody is and people... You know, so it's creating a human exchange that is also of high quality, mm -hmm. you know, not to mention like artistic dialogues or whatever. It's humans at their best in kind of a timeless setting in a timeless thing, which is congregating around the ritual of listening, watching and storytelling. Oh, one thing I want to say real fast, because when, when Melissa was talking about being off the grid, it's sort of one thing we often forget to say, but you literally can take a train and, you know, the train stops like 100 yards from... The, the venue so you can really walk to the venue and the venue is solar powered. So we're all, it's like also as far as festivals go, it's really making a very small carbon footprint and it really is, yeah. Um, yeah, it's super not wasteful and very much literally off the grid. You know, it was a, a band will reroute their tour just to do soundscape or they'll say, oh yeah, sure. We can pick up some like rental equipment and while we're in the city, cause we know you need this thing. And it's, it feels very much like, a community show yeah. um, where everyone's chipping in versus like some massive um, corporate sponsored festival. It really d does feel like that. I think a lot of people that go to it every year have started saying things on Twitter like, oh, this is the best weekend of the year. And, and I think people do feel this real connection to it, which is the ideal thing for, I think the greatest feeling. Like someone was asking me yesterday, well, how did you start curating stuff? And I said, well, basically I just started putting on hardcore shows in my backyard when I was like 13. And I feel like this yes. is just the extension of that where as you get older, you kind of have more interest, but you want yeah. to keep that same ethos of the early. Exactly. Yeah. Like Jen Pelly, who we have had as like a guest curator the last two years. And who's been on the podcast on the Raincoats episode. Yeah, and when I was leaving Pitchfork, she and I both got like this tattoo that says um, FTK, which means for the kids. And the idea was like to always do things for the reason that you would have done it when you were younger and, and not to get, um, not to cloud your vision with uh, the crappiness of adulthood. 
<laughs> well, and mixed with the fact that the crappiness of the 21st century and for those who are more of our generation, it's, you know, do it for the kids, but our kid experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's like a whole part of probably a romance of our own, of Brandon and I as music fans, mm-hmm. as people who have been doing this since we were kids that were changed by events like this. So it's like definitely my biggest dream is that young people come to this and walk out changed. Mm-hmm. Like and my personal goal for the future being a mother of a seven-year-old is how are they going to live in a timeless way to either, you know, A, protect the planet, B, be human beings that are very good and able to be in real relationships and not texting relationships, and then see how we make the future better for them. And so I feel a lot of Basilica in general, but then even within Soundscape, because in some ways it is a classic alternative music and arts festival, Mm -hmm. but there is under there this sort of like bonded by blood and ancient times, Brandon and I, and those who we work with who want to just share that old ritual that awakens and nourishes what people are craving. Well, and year after year, you deliver for the fans, an incredible anti-festival, we'll say experience. Since you kicked off Basilica Soundscape in 2012, I've been hearing reports of this legendary happening once a year. And the once a year legendary happening is coming up soon, (laughs) September 14th through 16th of this year and featuring, as always, a killer lineup. Now, when I asked you guys to curate an episode for us, you brought in two fantastic artists that are performing at this year's Basilica Soundscape. Brandon, could you tell me about those artists? Um, Hasham Barucha, who is a friend and someone that I often run into in the morning when he's like pushing his kid around in a stroller and I'm walking my dog or, <laughs> and we've known each other for years since, you know, the days when he was in lightning bolt and then he was in black dice and he's just someone that's always been around and we've always kind of, you know, worked on things together. I did this project, uh, box set of seven inches for Planned Parenthood. That was amazing. Um, a few, a few months ago with like Matt Berninger and a few other people. And he contributed art to that. He's a visual artist. He's done like sneaker collaborations with Solange. He's just kind of this guy that does a lot of different things has an amazing Instagram with like, you know, a hundred thousand followers or something, just kind of one of these people that is all over the place. And to me, epitomizes, um, a lot of what Basilica is just someone who multitasks and is around and is a good human being and has always been like an honest, sweet guy. Um, and then Taja who does Lorraine, who I knew from working at, um, PS one, she was sort of the PS one liaison with the curators for warm up, And so I always knew her as a curator and I never even knew that she made music. And then one day, you know, I happened to see something on Bandcamp. I was like, wait a second, is that Taja? And then I realized that she made music. But again, this kind of person who just knows a lot, knows about different worlds, is very humble, never even mentioned she had this band that was like quietly blowing up. And it just felt like they were an interesting pairing to have, like sort of someone who's new to music and kind of having a moment and someone who's been around for a long time and is more of, um, Hasham's not old, but kind of more of like an old soul that's just been here for a long time. And I just thought pairing them together would be interesting because they're also overlapping in the art world. They um, do a lot of different things. Um, and I mean, for Basilica itself, we have a thing where Lightning Bolt is playing and Hisham is going to kind of overlap with them for a moment. And, you know, he and Brian are really excited about it, Brian Chippendale, because of their old times together as a band. And so we're, we, those are the kind of things we try to do. We're like, let's connect this thing where we can. Let's connect that, that thing where we can and kind of make a story for the viewer, even if we're not explicitly explaining what's going on, they can sort of sense like, oh, here's this cool thing where these people are kind of um, plugging in together at the same time. 
Well, and Hisham and Taja had a fantastic conversation here at Hook and Fade Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, just yesterday. We heard all about his work with the Boredoms, including his amazing bow drum events, which has seen him playing with 111 drummers at a time. We heard from Taja about how time constraints can stimulate her creativity. And we did hear about how Boredoms drummer Yoshimi writes music in a very unconventional way. We're going to roll the tape. Brandon and Melissa, thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you at the festival this year. Thank you. Thank see you. you. Cool. Cool. It's nice to get asked to talk to you about stuff because I feel like I've always watched you, you know, in the thick of it um, <laughs> at PS1 warm up, like dealing with so many people's situations. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, definitely focused you know <laughs> and, and I respect that and so it was amazing to hear when Lorraine started and just all our mutual friends were saying like oh you gotta you gotta see her place like incredible <laughs> and just like wondering how that sort of came about like were you already playing a bunch before and you know I know that it's a specific project but how did it sort of like come about yeah, it's very funny. I feel like I have this really specific relationship to people that come to warm up a lot because yeah. I'm always just really kind of disgruntled and, huh. <laughs> and running around. Um, but I also feel like I get to know them from like seeing people every right, right. weekend. It's just kind of a cool thing. But totally. um, yeah, I've been playing for a while on a lot of different projects. Yeah. Um, and I just finished playing with a band and I didn't really know what to do. And I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, oh, have you ever considered doing a solo record? And I was like, no, I uh -huh. don't want to do that at all. That doesn't sound like fun. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just sitting alone in a, like in a room. Yeah. Um, and then I kept thinking about it more and my mom for like my whole life had been right. trying to get me to do a solo record. Right. And I was like, well, I guess now's the time. Right. Um, and so then I just started like combing through lots of different recordings that I mm -hmm. hoarded basically on SoundCloud because I was too embarrassed to show them to people I knew. Uh -huh. So I just put them on the internet to just see what strangers would right. say. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I started like picking those apart and recording more parts of that. And mm -hmm. So it just kind of happened organically. Yeah. It happened pretty organically uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, over, over a period of time. I used to just like record my court, record little snippets of songs uh, for a, for years. Yeah. I'd make myself do it every couple of days. And so I have this huge archive of random things that I've amassed from just like forcing myself to record things. <laughs> right. Right. That's amazing. Did you, do you feel like, uh, I mean, your voice is incredible. So oh, is that, thanks. is that like, uh, was that the main instrument you feel like, did you use your voice first or was there, were you playing mm -hmm. instruments first or what was the, huh? Yeah, I sort of, I, I kind of hate singing. Yeah. <laughs> it feels too vulnerable in some way. Right. In the same way that like right now I'm listening to the sound of my voice and I, I want to go hide in a, <laughs> in, in a hole. <laughs> right. But it's also feels the most organic to me somehow. Yeah, no. Like when fully. I'm making, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like when I'm making demos, I can just kind of get my ideas out quickest mm -hmm. if I'm just singing all the parts. Yeah. It's kind of what I'm used to. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I always, I hate, like admitting to envy, but like with people who have an incredible voice, I mean, it's the gift that you're 
born with or not kind of, you know? So, mm. I mean, I, I think everybody has, you know, a certain gift and, but sometimes you need an instrument to express it or uh, with music like you often do. So yeah. like the, the voice is just such an incredible thing. Um, I feel that way about drums. I feel yeah. like I've always wanted to learn how to play the drums. Yeah. And I just feel like it just takes so much coordination right. <laughs> between all of the limbs. It's right. just like dancing in a chair. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's, no, totally. It definitely is. Yeah. It's a funny thing. I didn't like uh, when I started playing instruments. I mean, as a kid, I like, I was terrible at the piano. So I like kind of, you know, was like, oh, I can't do this. And then I started playing clarinet. And then I could do that. And then I just like got into playing, you know, I was like a metalhead. So I just like started playing bass because Cliff Burton was like the most badass bassist ever. Um, all because my older brother did all this stuff too. But like um, I, I remember seeing like the first drum performance I saw was this Japanese Kodo drumming like performance. Oh. Like when I was a kid and the vibrations from that, I was like, that's it that's all I want to do. That's amazing. But I didn't get to because it was, you know, like my dad died when I was a kid. So then I moved back to Japan, like in junior high in eighth grade. So then, um, like Tokyo is like, you know, there's no space, like you can't have a yeah. garage with a kit or anything like that. So I couldn't do that. And then like, you know, I do, I, I was playing bass already and you know, that was like my instrument, but I always paid attention to the drummers and just learned by watching. And I feel like I air drummed. Well like in my mind before I ever like, you know, played the kit for like years, like never like touched a kit until I started going into these, you know, hourly practice spaces. That's like the only place you could really rehearse in Tokyo. So I had, you know, these like pop punk bands or whatever. And then, uh, and then I'd like try to like learn to play drums and stuff. Um, I mean, I still am like weird about talking about drums cause I'm not, I didn't learn like from anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, it's always, I feel like that's, the best way right in some ways yeah do you still feel like you have like that air drum in your head i sometimes have like a keyboard in my head or uh -huh. lots of other instruments in my head that i play all the time yeah yeah it feels no, totally. weird admitting that out loud. yeah no totally i feel like yeah i feel if i hear a, a, a any any song that i, I like like i'm like why do i like this and i try to take it apart while i'm listening to it I take in so much music at warm up, like that. I'm I'm doing that all the time. I'm just like, well, this song, like that transition that the DJ did was so sick. I want to know uh, what made me move. Like, was it? Yeah, it's not just because the kick was placed with this, or you know, I'm just like thinking about that stuff, and I'm all air drum in my head to it. I try to break it down to my physical limbs and see if I could do it with my four limbs. So it's like a fun game. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's cool that you sort of think about your drumming in the context of like DJing also, because it is very, like you're reading people's physical reactions to things all the time as yeah, a DJ. Yeah, no, totally. I feel like being around so many DJs now, it's making me rethink the way that I think about music in some ways, just right. in terms of, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I don't really think about the audience that much and I feel a little bad because I just kind of abandoned them but uh, <laughs> but being around DJs and like sort of ingesting that culture yeah. way more um, I feel like has really made me think about that more I don't yeah know totally yeah I mean yeah you definitely see it in, in at that scale you see like crowds move in such a different way and even yeah. with like a live show you sort of 
since we have like pretty busy schedules with work and stuff, right? So mm -hmm. then we, you don't, we don't have that much time to like go on tour, like as yeah. adults, you know. It's like so when you're playing in the same city over over and over, you're trying to experiment a little bit, right? So totally. so in those those situations, you could sort of like live test, like you see what what people react to, and not that you're making the work for that, you know, for a good reaction, yeah. or, you know, but but you could see how how people are affected by your music, and that's like a really fun thing. And of course, it's also good to totally ignore the audience sometimes too. You know, <laughs> you kind of have to be in your zone, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, how did you start working at PS One? Oh God, I was doing lots of sort of freelance uh, freelance work in the art world for a while. I was at the High Line uh -huh. um, as a curatorial assistant there, um, and the position was open. It was like my dream job, right. basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it just the stars happened to align that like as I was looking for work, there was vacancy, which is really great. Right. Um, but yeah, it's cool to work on programs that are so different, but also definitely have a through line, like Sunday sessions and right. warm up are thought of very differently, I think, at the institution, but there's lots of crossover between like how I think about the two programs and the and the musicians that participate in both of them. Right. So you you, you work on both of those. Yeah. Okay. It's like Lucky Pay Us job. was uh they were a part of a program with homeschool uh -huh. and as a part of Sunday sessions and then uh, we brought them back for warm up too. Uh huh. It's definitely definitely a different experience. <laughs> right. And how that sort of con coincided when you started doing Lorraine as well, right? It did. Yeah, I was kind of in the, the midst of the record when I started working at PS1. And I was just kind of sitting on it, <laughs> just kind of waiting to figure out what I was going to do with uh -huh. it. Um, but I didn't really tell anyone about it because it just felt weird. Uh-huh. It felt like a soft <laughs> opening when you started doing because it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like I yeah. kept like seeing press would like blow up and I was like, whoa, that's, that's awesome. And I was like, oh my God, this stuff is so good. I was curious to see as somebody who produces events, how you feel like that process of like taking in so many people's input and also seeing the logistics of it. Does that affect your music making at all? Yeah, I don't know. I think about that a lot and I still don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I try really desperately to separate my universes, uh -huh. even though they're so combined. I don't know if you feel right. that at all. I feel yeah, like, yeah. but I try really hard to keep them as separate as possible. And at a point, I kind of, I'm starting to give up. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I feel like I try to at least keep a semblance of like, I don't know, separation between my, my playing life and my, uh, I don't know, my curating life and my right. producing life and all right. of those, but they definitely feed into each other. Like yeah. There are so many, I mean, musicians in general are curators, right? Like yeah. we're always putting together our own shows and yeah. like having to do that work all totally. the time in ways that other sorts of artists don't have to think about it. But yeah. like if you're playing shows in New York, you're curating your own bills. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally true. That's very true. Yeah, and then you end up, I feel like we are probably the people that were ended up being good at it. So you just did it because nobody yeah. else would do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically like how I started doing all the boredom stuff. I was like, nobody cares enough to do this and they're not going to get paid yeah. almost at all. So you're like, 
well, I care about it, so I'm going to do it. You know, it's got to happen. There's like, and uh, you know, if I'm the only one, then I'll do it. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, I've learned so much. Like with anything, I feel like I want to know the process of how things are made. And that's why I feel like I make a lot of different stuff. Like since I make like visual stuff and and music, and then, you know, in music, there's all the different levels, right? Like production, then like playing an instrument, playing what instrument or how many instruments, and then how you learned. I admire that about, you I feel like you do so many different things uh, <laughs> but it all just sort of feels like it comes from this really organic singular place which is really cool uh, I feel like I'm always sort of like battling all of these things inside of me and I'm like how do I make these things make sense but right like, yeah no I feel I definitely have that battle too I was just at my art studio because I have a, a solo exhibition in Tokyo happening in November and on air, I'm, I will admit that I don't have that much work done yet, you know, um, because I have, a, <laughs> I have a nine and a half month old kid and, you know, enjoying that process of watching him grow, you know, we really can't do anything else but take care of your kid. And then you're trying to get back into the workflow and all of your timing is totally different because you got to yeah. pick up your kid or like, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. Like I won't bore you with the, the details, but I feel like the, the creative process, like um, switching in my mind is something that I think I end up thinking about. And if I think about it, then that like writer's block will happen. But if I let it just flow, then something will happen. I remember hearing like uh, Bruce Nauman say something about, even if you're not physically like putting your hand to your work, like you go to your studio and you just read a passage or something. Yeah. And that's like work too. Totally. And so I think about that where I like try to be okay with that often because sometimes I'll, if you're starting like a new project or something like that and you just have all these tools and you're just trying to decide, it's like you, you won't even make a mark, but whatever it is, just make a mark, even if it's not physical, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think about that and just try to try to always go back to that. But that's like a constant struggle because like you just want to be pure about it, but you still have to like try to make a living from it. And like, totally. all the, you know, it's like, it's a, it's, and everybody juggles with that, I think, with in in at different degrees. But yeah, that's like such a thing, especially in New York, right? Especially in New York. <laughs> yeah, it's just like all in your face. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it creates like a weird kind of efficiency too. Uh -huh. <laughs> like I feel like I do a lot of writing on my way to things, right? Or like I don't know. I I sort of have to find inspiration from just whatever I'm doing at the time because right. I don't have lots of dedicated time to just kind of sit and yeah, no, write totally. or work on things. Yeah, that's a challenge that New Yorkers have to deal with often. It's yeah. like you're grinding to pay your rent and then you're like trying to switch into this like whimsical, like, you know, sort of like, you know, let me express the beauty that's within. <laughs> like it's like surrounded by all these like blocks that you're like, oh, this door is fucking like totally like wired shut. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a funny battle. One thing that um, Yoshimi from Boredom's told me is um, when she do OIO rehearsals there in Tokyo, because all the members live in Tokyo, um, she'd write all the songs in her head on the train oh, to man. Tokyo, <laughs> and then she'd just play them like on the spot. But she has like a crazy music memory. Um, wow. I started playing in the band after I started doing the Boa Drum events, like starting with 77 Boa Drum and 
when I started to, you know, be a more of a real like live show member, like I'd get like a lyric sheet from the, from her. Oh, one time I got a lyric sheet. It was like, you know, like three pages. And she was like, if you can sing this, that'd be cool. And it's not even Japanese. It's just like a, her gibberish language <laughs> that she made up. And I was like, how am I going to learn this? Is it totally impossible? And then it's like that on top of learning like a, a set that's written to be an hour and a half with like a hundred different changes oh and God. I'm translating. Cause so in the, the eight years that I was playing in that band, we always had multiple drummers from the States that did the boa drum events. Like yeah. I'd basically sort of like cherry pick my favorite drummers. Um, always a good list. <laughs> <laughs> and then like my point was that I'm, I'm, I'd be translating to all these, all the other musicians. And I'm also translating like the concept and then, you know, the, main members are telling me and I'm like, well, why don't we just do it like this? Cause I think your idea is trying to do this. And so I'm doing a creative as well as sort of like, you know, making sure, Oh, are you, where are you going to stay tonight? Or like, we're all staying yeah. here and then we're going to get on the, in the truck with all the gear at 7am. So like, I'm going to wake you up, you know? So I'm doing that while I'm doing all the creative as well as like sort of like helping produce the event or whatever. So it's like a, it's a lot. It's, to- <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of fun when you're like trying to challenge your mind, right? Totally. Yeah. I'm like trying not to fangirl right now because <laughs> the like the boa drum events and I don't know, all the projects that you've been a part of, I feel like have been really formative for me. Oh, just like thinking through like what it is to create events right. and to like, I don't know. And all, all, of, all of those bands also like OIO also. It's just, right. like, I remember the first time hearing like Feather Float, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I like blew my my totally. mind open right entirely. yeah totally <laughs> yeah I mean I was a total I was just like a fanboy like a in high school I went to see Helmet play this is in Tokyo and um, I had a side project called Concrete Octopus and it's this hardcore band but I like uh, came well he he swears it's different than how I remember it but I'm pretty sure I'm right I'm like I don't know man. Um, but uh, but he came out of the audience with like a knit hat over his head, like sc- screaming concrete, like through the whole audience is like packed and then got on stage and did this thing. And I was like, this is cool. I want to I want to know about this. So then I looked up boredoms and that's like how I became a fan. I was working at Electro Harmonics for a second, that, that pedal company as like a pedal tester. And I sort of talked my way into trying to like help them sort of push the brand so i was like you guys should sponsor bands more and so i like i made an excuse like boredoms were playing at cbgb's like one day and i was like i'm just gonna see if they want a sponsorship and so i like went and like you know talked to them then and then i was just like trying to not fan out but then like i just kept in touch with yoshimi and and she started inviting me to open for her for oio shows so like i set up a show for oio at brownies it was uh one of my old bands pixel tan and then av terran panda bear before it was animal collective and yeah. so it was like that was like a such a cool show like in hindsight you know, it's like even more like, whoa, you know, like. Yeah, that's oh. insane. <laughs> um, but that was like right around Feather Float. So that made me think of it. But like, uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like just everything was like, I had to prove myself to a certain degree, you know, like, I feel like I, I'm like telling people all the time when they're like seem nervous about just like, you know, what they're doing or they're fanning out or, or you know, whatever. Just be yourself like, and just be comfortable. 
Like you could just be like, I'm, I'm just me and I'm, I'm, I want to be a part of your thing, you know? Totally. And that's sort of how like all my stuff like has gone down. And I feel like I've always just been like fascinated with people in general and people's processes. Like I thought about it at the last warm up I went to was a John, well, what's, what was his last name? Um, oh, John Bapp. John Bapp. Yeah. yeah. That group, like you, you like the placement that you did with like him in that like DJ set was like so perfect. Oh um, man, thanks. It just like really like <laughs> switched it up, and I saw the audience get into it too. But I mean, that band was like amazing. The drummer was, yeah, insane. JD Beck is like incredible, amazing. I, I was like, he's a prodigy. He's like, he's, he's got fifteen. The gift. Yeah, I know that's so <laughs> it's crazy. Like, it's pretty insane. Pretty insane. Yeah. He's incredible. I love that feeling of just like getting that, that you're just in a, in a place and you don't know what's going to happen. And then you just get like a crazy amount of inspiration in like two seconds. And you're like, what just happened? Totally. You know, and you're like, I'm not worthy. I suck. Oh, wait. No, I don't suck. <laughs> that the whole thing. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And John is, is one of those people too that I feel like he just kind of has his thing and doesn't really worry too much about. Well, I don't know what he worries about, but at least from the outside, right, right. from the outside, it seems like he just like knows, he just does what he does and just kind of like comes out of him and he doesn't, you know, it's just, he just does him. Right. Right. It's pretty That's amazing cool. to see. Where is he uh, based? Um, I think he's based in LA now, but he was in Buffalo and then moved to Dallas and there's this really cool scene of people making really out music in Dallas right now. Oh, wow. But, it's pretty awesome. That's cool. So how do you find out about stuff? Like when you're... How do I find out about stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I read... <laughs> I feel like I read more than yeah. I see often, yeah. which kind of sucks to admit. Right. But I think that's well, just kind of like the reality yeah, of I mean, like, you're, you're, you're my life. With, yeah, yeah. If you're <laughs> just talking to a lot of people yeah. and trying to figure out what they're excited about listening to. Right. And then also just trying to talk to other musicians through musicians. I feel like yeah. that's really where like musicians know more than everything sort of filters out from them. But like, it's like the, you know, they, right. they know what's cool and what's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, artists in general, that's like the, the way I feel like I learn about things is through other artists. Right. Yeah. It's such a cool venue to do something like that. Cause music influences everything in anything creative, like, uh, but, but just to have like a fine art filter that's just like barely there like it doesn't yeah, seem totally. like it gets in the way it's not like you know like it doesn't get i feel like people get discouraged when they feel like there's a there's a snobbiness you know when yeah, you're totally. just going to experience some some music you know so um that's good <laughs> yeah like it doesn't it doesn't have that at all it all works so well i feel like anybody who could try to place like that like that john bap in you yeah. know between that is like making a statement and that's so cool you know yeah yeah i like i like freaking people out a little yeah. bit <laughs> <It's worth laughs> like if it. you have like a, a dj or musician that you know people are there to see and really like then you are afforded the room to really sort of get weird yeah and it's pretty amazing to see how receptive people actually are to it yeah. sometimes if yeah. you have like you have to be really careful with the conditions right. but you can like start out the day with harsh noise and right. end with like house music yeah 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 no, totally. <laughs> which is really great and you see everyone with their babies earlier on right, just right. kind of like trying to understand what's going on and it's a it's it's a really beautiful thing yeah no totally <laughs> totally yeah i'm like can't yeah. wait to like get my kid over there but we're like 
it's going to be a little overwhelming in the beginning. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, the baby headphones. Yeah. <laughs> those yeah, are we, the best. Those are the immediate, the first, first thing we got as gifts and we were like, okay. Um, <laughs> but I purposefully like brought our son to, I think it was a Sunday sessions, the one that Secret Project Robot curated. Oh yeah, with Black Dice. Yeah. But I, I brought my son Ima to the uh, show because I was like, his first show has to be a Black Dice show. That's like, amazing. Why not um, <laughs> take it to the extreme? But it was like funny, and also like I was like, okay, maybe I pushed it too far. I put the you know headphones were totally fine. It was pretty um, loud in there. Yeah, and just like <laughs> like when he goes into a dark space, suddenly his eyes like you know he's just like trying to see, so his eyes like uh, get big, and it's like amazing. But in that, it was like visuals too, and the volume, you know, it was like so direct, obviously like insane. That he, like I've never seen somebody's eyes like get as wide <laughs> as they did. They were just like I was like, oh shit, they're gonna pop out of his face. Like let's get him out of here. It was like he lasted like twenty seconds, and I was like, okay, let's get him out of here. But it was fun to like watch him outside of the dome just like taking it in he was just like what is this you know um, that's amazing <laughs> yeah so that was pretty funny uh, uh but i was like okay at least like i could be like your first show was a black day show <laughs> <laughs> pretty yeah. sure i looked like that the first time i saw black dice too <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> probably very similar right totally <laughs> but yeah what what's going on with lorraine now I don't know. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to write new music and trying to figure out what it means. I mean, the you know, the conditions of the first record were so specific that I'm trying to figure right. out what it is beyond that. Yeah. So it's kind of a, yeah, I feel like I'm in limbo a little bit. Right. And just kind of experimenting with things and yeah. doing it at the wall. But I still have all of this material that I've been working on for years that I never right. did anything with. So. Right. Hopefully some of it is okay and I can <laughs> I can use some of it and scrap scrap it for parts. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm sure there's like a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I think that's like a a space that artists fear. Um I mean I'm saying from my own experience, maybe it's not for everybody, but um because it's you know, you're waiting in like this brackish, it's like, you know, you don't know what what the fluid that you're floating in is and uh Totally. But that's like the time where you're actually allowed to have fun you know yeah. <laughs> like you don't have like the rules that you set up yourself like that you're going to work within you're just putting marks down and you're like seeing what works and trying to figure out why that came out that way or you know just totally. and, and then you piece it together but those are i was just thinking about it again like when i went to my art studio because i was like i fear going to the studio sometimes because i'm like oh man there's so much pressure to get something done yeah you know um especially when you have like less time you're like, oh, okay, I gotta get some. You know, what's gonna, what's gonna happen? Oh, nothing's coming. Ah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you're, but, but, but then when you let go of that, you know, for me, I was like looking at different things that I'd started making, and I'm like, oh, there's a relationship between this and that, and it's the same with music. I feel like you'll listen this back to something, you're like, oh, this kind of this melody will work with this thing or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the time where we're supposed to be having fun, but it's like weirdly becomes like the most stressful. <laughs> yeah, <not> exactly. <laughs> it's true. And also for me, I feel like I you know, the last record was pretty a pretty solitary thing. Right. <laughs> uh and now I'm playing with a band that I really like. Yeah. And so it will be weird to go back to my own space by myself again. Right. Like the engineer and I used to just like put on movies while we were working, just so that we would like have like other stimuli other than ourselves. Right, right, right. <laughs> just in a room stuck together for right. like ten hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you think you'll 
write parts with the band? Or are you I trying don't know. to figure it out? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to stick to the solo thing right now because just right. I haven't done it that much. Right. Like throughout my life, I've mostly just written with other people. Uh, right. I don't really know what it's like to write by myself except for this one time. Yeah, yeah. Even that was like, you know, kind of collaborative. Like uh-huh. The drum parts, like I can't play drums for shit. So right. <laughs> I have to write parts with the drummer. But Right, right. But like you make the, you, you make the song and yeah. then the parts like are written for yeah. it. Yeah, no, totally. I did Soft Circle like for a long time right after Black Dice because I was like, I am not dealing with a band ever again. Totally. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but then I got so tired of dealing with myself all the time <laughs> yeah so uh, you know i was just like uh, also just like carrying like back then it was like i was carrying around all this gear like looping equipment like guitar like drum machine it was just a nightmare like traveling like doing tours in europe or something i was like this yeah, is miserable i hate i hate this you know but yeah now there's like so many different tools that you could use that like you can lighten your load if you're down to you know like use the computer yeah I feel very bogged down by my gear right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real hassle. I have yeah. like one of those uh like foot pedal, like foot operated bass synths oh, okay. that I use for shows. But it's just so heavy. Yeah. I like yeah. accidentally bought this Moog Taurus on oh, yeah. eBay the other day. because uh, I was just like looking at it. I didn't realize oh. that I bought it and then I got this email <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and this guy emailed me and was like, uh, I'm just looking for a box big enough to fit it in. And I was like, fit what in? Oh, and I was no. like, I accidentally bought a Taurus, <laughs> which ended up being amazing because now I use it all the time. Right. But yeah, I feel yeah. very weighted to it. <laughs> right, right. Those things are cool. A lot of the analog equipment just sounds so good on the stage. It's like like what I'm going to do at Basilica Hudson. I'm going to use the these drum sensors. That I think you've probably seen Greg Fox use those yeah. sensory percussion stuff. Yeah, those are awesome. But I, I'm just thinking about how it's going to, like the sounds will carry sonically in the space. I mean, I'll have acoustic drum sounds, but then there's a lot of samples sort of being played like through the drums. So I feel like this is maybe one thing that is an advantage when you work in production or like, you know, music production or something like that is that you think about the sound of the space because you really have to write to it. Like it's like I was originally going to do a performance at, at Brooklyn Museum a while ago that I was pitching just a lot of complications that didn't happen. But when I was working on that, I was thinking about the space so much because I knew that whenever I saw percussion yeah. in there, it sounded like garbage. Like, like in the it, atrium? Like when you yeah, percentage. exactly. Yeah, it's a tough space. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's really tough. And so I think, like, I feel like uh, I am imagining that this space, like, because I'm not going to be playing through the PA, I won't give too many hints. Yeah, but, I'm very uh, curious now. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to, like, um, yeah, think about, like, how it's going to sound in there um, without, like, the PA system, so... Yeah, so yeah. you just think about that stuff when you're making things, right? Yeah, no, totally. Are you gonna Are you gonna play like this a set that you've been working on for a while at that? Yeah, it's pretty set, which it's funny. Like we don't we don't really rehearse ever, uh huh, because uh, it's just kind of we know where all of the planned parts are, and it's uh-huh. like very structured, right? But hopefully structured in a way that doesn't seem like it's really structured. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but it's like hyper, hyper structured. Right. Um, but it's funny. Yeah, we're, we're, it'll be that set at Basilica for sure. But we're, um, we're opening for Grouper at Murmur oh, yeah. in a little while. Nice. And that's just such a tough space. Oh, okay. <laughs> Especially with percussion, sort of like the Brooklyn Museum. Oh, right. It's just like so boomy. Right. That we're going to, that we might actually have to play a different set. <laughs> right. So we're trying to figure out what we're even going to do because we've been playing this set for a while and we've been really settling into it. Right, right, right. 
yeah, those are some good good challenges, but also, yeah. yeah, it can be like really frustrating. One time we did this one um, bow drum performance in Japan, and it was like in a in this area called Makari Mese. It's like a just like a place where they do, you know, like J-pop like things will happen, or they do like car shows and shit. It's like airplane hangar size, yeah, like well. that tall, <laughs> and and it sounded terrible i mean yeah. but it was and it was like 111 drummers or something i was like the, oh my god the delay from the center <laughs> to the edge was insane you know and so we just had to like write to that i was like guys this is not working <clears throat> like let's figure out a way that the delay is gonna be okay because uh, it was so many people who are like who had watched all the past boa drums and they're just like wanted yeah. to flaunt their drummerness and like you get a bunch of drummers in a room like that, 111 <laughs> oh, who are like dude check out my chops like you know um that's an absolute nightmare <laughs> yeah so it's like a fun it was like a funny you're not going to make the cover of like like modern drummer <laughs> like uh off of this so like let's be one instrument you know like yeah. we are one instrument now I feel like, I feel you like on the chops thing. Also, it's funny. Like I feel like my band is very like chopsy, uh-huh. but I'm very anti chops. Yeah, I don't know. That's such a weird thing to say, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but it'll be cool to play in a different sort of room because you can't, you just can't play as many mo- notes. Yeah, no, totally. Because <laughs> you won't hear them. It'll oh, sound horrible. I, that's a, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, paring it down to the essentials is really nice. Sometimes being quieter. I like never, do you listen to things you've created? I never do. Oh, really? Anymore. I kind of like, there's a point where it's just will never be heard again. Uh-huh. That's, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to have to listen to all the little things that I suddenly hate. Right. I feel like I've like, oh, I mean, a lot of the like records I've made have had some time to sit around. So like I, I'm one of those people that listens to what I've done like relatively often. I don't like go and like, like walk around approach, town. I, think. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I, I think I'm just trying to constantly figure out like if I've made the, like, I, I think I'm pretty good at settling at the choices that I made at that time. But of course there'd be like, I'm just trying to see how I could progress from there, I guess, when I'm listening or like how I could do something better. It's kind of harder actually when it's something that I sang on or something because I'm not like a, I'm not a, like a great singer, but I just like singing. When I listen back, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if that should not exist in the world, but it's totally out there. Sorry, I feel like I know a lot of singing drummers or drummers that like to sing and they have a similar sort of relationship oh, yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean I love it. I love seeing drummers that sing. I think it's like so so badass looking. I mean it's like comical. Um, yeah. but also like because uh, it's either you have like the the mic stand that goes over your head from behind. But then you have to have like the best posture and just be like barely move your body. Yeah. Or you have the headset mic like right. I do when I when I do that stuff and it's just like I mean straight cool straight, straight Phil Collins you know um, is that cool nothing wrong with know. that I don't know <laughs> I'm just gonna put that up yeah I like doing stuff that's not cool though Fuck yeah it. like you know like I feel like people just like worry way too much about being cool it's true um, it's like who gives a shit nobody gives a shit. Like everybody's just thinking about themselves. Like they're just like, you know, if you like stepped on stage like a certain way or like, you know, like a chord was like slightly off. Like I think about it with musicians often because um, I used to get super bummed when I'd like fuck up on stage. Um, Yoshimi once like actually just like told me, she's like, if you fuck up, don't make that face. 
<laughs> like, cause I would have like a, I fucked up face. I'd like cringe, like, be like yeah. God damn it. I feel like you everyone know? has like their version of that face. Yeah. And you don't want people to see that on stage. Yeah, totally. Like it's not cool. Like, it, like and, and I was like, oh, you're totally right. Like, I, like if I fuck up, I won't make that face anymore. Yeah. Um, but like nobody notices that stuff. I mean, even if they do, like you're never like, oh my God, did you see that? Like the <laughs> feedback come back? Like, I mean, occasionally it's extreme and you're like, yeah. dude, I don't know about that. But like, you know, but most of the time it's just like a little thing and you're like, yeah. oh dude, that was just like part of it's live. Like we know that. Yeah. Like it's like, you know. And if they do care, they're just kind of an asshole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like- <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. There's like a weird politeness mm. that people, I don't know, after show people are like, oh, that was so great. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they just kind of like smile and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like, sometimes I want real feedback. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. like I, I heard this right, or right, right. like, why'd you do that? Or I didn't right, really right, like right. this part. Like right. I would way prefer that, right. you know, but I feel like also just because of like the nature of like the music because it's like emotional and uh, like sad that like people don't want to like offend me but right. I know I'm doing it in public <laughs> right, right. so I kind of just want like real feedback right. sometimes I guess I thought I thought about that a little bit when I worked on that remix um with one of your songs is that something we could talk about yeah let's yeah, talk about cool. it cool <laughs> um I had ton of fun with it there's like so Sounds much amazing awesome. <laughs> oh thanks a lot <laughs> really like it's, it it was we're like uh or i i started it and then like you know i i i'm not a good mixer so i just went to jeremy hyman to help out and then he did some like good creative sort of choices in terms of like when things came in and out i tried to listen to all of the different things but the thing that like i didn't want to mess with um because it was just so pure and beautiful was the recording of your mom on the it was like a phone message oh yeah it's not even my mom that's so funny oh really i, like, I i've gotten sort of back and forth about okay. like, telling people that it's just my friend chloe oh really but it worked oh, okay. <laughs> people assume that it's well, my mom because it right. is like a very intimate right right like, right oh message. that's amazing that's like yeah. crazy yeah so the only that- thing my mom says actually is like watch out for the dog poop okay okay <laughs> at the beginning of one of the songs right 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 oh that's really interesting well so, yeah so that makes like a interesting conversation because yeah. I, I just like thought of it as a sacred thing i couldn't yeah. mess with yeah um but that, i think it's totally cool and fair to like not have to like mention that every single time yeah, somebody totally. asks about it but yeah so like i had a hard time deciding on how to approach it you know I just had to make a choice at some point because I was like, this is taking way too long. Like I just gotta like, make, a, <laughs> make a choice. But that's a pretty interesting process. Have you ever done a remix for somebody? I haven't. I'm about to. It's actually late. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Sorry, I have no, to get I feel on. As bad as my I have to get on. That. <laughs> that's um, cool. Yeah, Ian Chukuma, do you know them? Scratch. Uh-uh. Um, they're like a. They're artists they do a lot of video work and some installation work and Uh other sorts of things and they're also djs and producers and singers musicians performers Uh um but they're they're working on a project that i'm i i need to start making some choices on Uh (laughs) are you pretty good like with computer stuff like do you i am not very technically proficient no but I think in some, but I kind of like the way things sound when I make them sound bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like a lot of the vocals on the record, I just recorded through like iPhone 
right. like, speaker, like headphone yeah, that's, mic. That, that sounds good. They sound really good. I just yeah, like the totally. way it sounds. I don't care that yeah. I haven't used like nice equipment. Right. I just kind of like sit in my bed and sing and it sounds fine. Yeah. I tried re-recording them and they just didn't sound as good right. on nicer mics. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, there is something about that. Like I remember like uh, my friend Tyon Day Braxton had this like really shitty like radio shack mic that he always used when he was doing like more like like beat stuff with his with his mouth like with voice yeah. stuff and he was like this thing just picks up in a different like i can't like i've tried all these mics it's just like the shitty one is the best one it's hard when there's so many different uh, like uh, options that's why i think i get like freaked out about the computer like um soft synths and stuff i'll be like i heard this one's like the best <laughs> replica of this one and i'm like Dude, can I, yeah uh -oh. can i really tell yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just have to be like, just make a choice. Yeah. Um, that's true. I'm telling myself that all the time because I'm just like, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. So Basilica is the next next thing. So you're just going to work on some new stuff after that? Yeah. I think we're going to work on some new stuff. I'm playing uh, Ava Luna's um, record release mm -hmm. at Music Hall on the 8th, which I'm super stoked about. Nice. I, I think they're all really awesome separately and together. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and then Basilica and then hopefully some, I don't know, some sounds will happen in, in some way. Yeah, that's <laughs> Somewhere. cool. That's cool. <laughs> I was really stoked that Brandon like uh, asked me to do this thing because I really needed like a kickstarter to get my but i'm yeah totally i didn't actually mean to, i didn't actually mean to say that i was like oh man i just like i just literally no pun intended but uh <laughs> but um but yeah it just like got me to actually do this like new solo thing that i've been like thinking about for a long time so totally and lightning bolts that day too yeah totally so yeah. Yeah. Fam, fam day. <laughs> totally, totally yeah the lineup is a uh, i was like so happy with like the the sequence of of bands for our night um so yeah. that'll be super cool um my band kill alters has like a new record that we're working on oh nice yeah it's like halfway done cool. um in the mixing zone and yeah i'm like super stoked about it um we're already like working on videos and stuff for it with all these different directors and hopefully figure out like who might be interested in putting it out um yeah but we got to do a show together. We've been talking yeah. about it, but yeah, let's do it. I'm done. <laughs> All right. <laughs>